Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick, the whale capper, as we are every Friday. Uh, we're going to welcome in Brad Spielberger from PFF shortly to break down the entire slate of games, to talk about quarterback changes in Miami, Baltimore, how they affect the line, whether there's been a bit of an overreaction, and we'll talk about our best bets as well. But Drew, firstly, past few days, what's interested you most in the market for the NFL? Well, first of all, it's good to see you back again. You missed a heck of a show yesterday. We talked to Peter King. I already won a six-pack of beer off him. Feel, felt a little bad. But, you know, he's not a betting man, so it felt a little little bad to pick his pocket on the on a six-pack of Peroni, but so it goes. Um, but, uh, no, ultimately, uh, the market has been fascinating the last couple of days. I figured we would just be kind of, you know, hand wave over a game like Baltimore-Cincinnati because presumably there's not much to talk about, but... I got a lot of questions about that market and what is going on there. Same with the, you know, Chargers Jags. This, I mean, it has looked at times this week, like this wants to go to three and I am struggling to figure out reasons that the Chargers should be rated power rated a point over the Jaguars, let alone in Duval where there's meaningful home field advantage. So that one is really confusing me as well. Uh, Similarly, every sharp friend that I've talked to in the space is like giants money line. Don't, you know, this doesn't make any sense. And yet it is stuck at three. So there's clearly some support out there for the Vikings from fill in the blank. Uh, Do not know who's betting Vikings, but um, yes, all of these markets all of a sudden have interesting uh, angles to try to pick apart. So excited to break these down today. Yeah, Ravens Bengals will jump into that shortly, but to me it kind of reminds me of kind of vibes of remember I think January 2008 Chargers with Billy Volek going to Indy with the Colts Peyton everyone's expecting the uh Patriots the 16 and 0 Patriots to go up against the Colts and then uh Billy Volek pulls the rug out uh with Rivers after he gets injured. I don't know, I wouldn't write off the Ravens or um or Tyler Huntley, or I think he's been who is better than he's shown the past month, but we'll get stuck into that, but Firstly, let's bring in Brad Spielberger from PFF. Brad, thanks for joining us. Always good to see you. Uh, I think we're on the same side of a lot of things this week, which is good and reassures me. We'll get into that. But let's start off in the NFC and let's talk about Seahawks 49ers, which in a way I think is the most maybe clear-cut game of the week. The only element there is perhaps the weather. The Niners are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. The total is 42. The line has come down from 10. What's your read on this game? 
Yeah, I think it came down because of that weather. And I think when you look at the weather, you point to the run games. Both teams can run the football, but the Seahawks are 25th in EPA per rush allowed, and the 49ers are second. And then also in Seattle, they're without Jordan Brooks, former first-round linebacker, really good player, uh, is not going to be in this game. So uh, I think the Niners are going to run rush out over the Seattle Seahawks defense. Ryan Neal's back, though. Uh, haven't had him in the last couple weeks. And for as good as Jordan Brooks looked at times over the first half of the season, he really, really struggled before going out with injury. So I'm not super downgrading the the Seahawks on that regard. And really, with the two quarterbacks and the weather, all I see in this game is variance. Like, you could get a lot of different – you could get a lot of quality, you know, you know, wide range of uh, quality of performance from both of those guys, uh, which to me means – if you have a game with this much variance, just you know, take the points and, and see how it goes. Um, is this a short-sighted approach for this type of game, or do you think uh, you know that ultimately the the variance is one-sided in in, in respect to the Seahawks offense? No, I definitely agree with the general principle of if you think there's going to be some, you know, variance, it's a low total as well. You probably want to take almost a 10 point, uh, you know, spread because it's obviously you know low totals, probably closer games. Uh, you know, I think the one thing is. You know, the, the 49ers and Brock Purdy are more comfortable attacking over the middle of the field, maybe with some quicker outs, getting it to their yak players. Whereas Seattle with Geno, I mean, they obviously want to attack the sidelines deeper down the field. So maybe their passing game is impacted a little bit more by the conditions than San Francisco. But hey, Purdy is not Jimmy G. He gets compared to him a lot. He throws more YOLO balls and takes a lot more risks. And maybe you will get turned over by Ryan Neal or, or Tariq Woolen, who's obviously been picking everyone off. So I definitely see the angle. I am leading Niners, but I, I'm not laying nine and a half. I just think they're going to win this game. Yeah, Brad, before we move on to Giants-Vikings, last thing on this game, uh, I've had a sickening amount of futures bets on the Niners in various regards. So I've watched basically every second of Niners football the past six weeks. And I think that in particularly the games against the Commanders and the Raiders, their pass defense notably dropped off. The Raiders game, Jared Stidham did whatever he wanted. Even the Commanders game, Taylor, Taylor Heineke was converting third and 15s for fun. Do you think there's anything wrong with the Niners' pass defense, or was that just a blip those couple of bad weeks? They definitely did not look like themselves. Um, I, I think it was probably a blip. Probably, you know, they were on such a hot streak where they won nine games in a row to close the year or something like that. So... I wouldn't look too much into it. I, I think they probably knew they couldn't get the one seed down the stretch as well uh, and, and maybe just thought, hey, let's just, you know, get the two or three doesn't really matter. Let's just get into the playoffs. And whether we're playing Seattle or the Giants, we'll, we'll probably win that game and move on. But and ne never a good thing to see. But, uh, you know, you get Traverius Ward healthy. You get a couple other guys back. I think Jack Rabbit Jenkins is an underrated signing. I know he's older, but he played well up until he stepped away from the game. Um, they'll probably call him up for the practice squad. And I think he's kind of an underrated factor going forward for them. Yep, I think that makes sense. All right, let's go to Giants, Vikings. Uh, I think uh, every man, woman, and their dog is on the Giants plus three. And I'm yet to hear a great case for the Vikings minus three. Now, when these teams played a few weeks ago, it was Vikings minus four and a half. It closed. And so the line has moved significantly since then with the Vikings, obviously uh, just having a disaster against Green Bay since then and the Giants getting a lot healthier. Uh, do you think it's right that uh, everyone seems to be on the Giants, Brad? 
I do. I'm in that boat. As we joked before the show, I think too many people are on it now. It's starting to scare me a little bit. But I think the loss of Brian O'Neill, the right tackle for the Vikings, probably a top five right tackle in the NFL, is a massive deal. Kayvon Thibodeau has played a lot better football the last six, eight weeks. He did the first half of the season. Coming off that injury from training camp, I think you see now him becoming kind of a force. And then the interior pressure has always been Kirk Cousins' problem. He's pretty good at navigating, stepping up in the pocket, avoiding edge rushers. But Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams one of the best interior duos in the NFL. The Vikings interior is still a problem. Center Garrett Bradbury's going to play, but he's barely practiced all week. And then on the flip side, Adoree Jackson did not play in that first game where the Giants covered that number. And look, he's not going to shut down Justin Jefferson, but he's a legit number one corner that'll give him some problems, play some press man, bump him off his right at the line, do some things to frustrate him. I, I like the Giants this game just like everyone else. Maybe that's square, but that's where I land. Yeah, I'm also kind of similarly finding a tough, you know, tough case for why Minnesota ought to be favored by three. Um, But when I run my numbers, I get a disproportionate, um, you know, push probability of this game landing Minnesota by three. So when I looked at sort of my my Sims, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm not betting that one. Uh, And so I just kind of, you know, threw my hands up and thought, well, what are some live angles, some live ways to attack this game, depending on game state? And I'm kind of ready to just bet on whoever has the deficit. Like I want give me someone with the two score deficit in this game and I'm going to pound them live. Uh, I want some live over if this is a little bit of a slog to start just because of these teams tend to open it up in the fourth quarter. And maybe I'm being a little bit uh, uh, biased here. But because of the game we saw between these two already or just because of how many Vikings games I've watched where it feels like there's 28 points scored in the fourth quarter. Um, but uh, do the you know, do you think that there is a game state uh, way to come into this market, depending on how it's being played? And I guess if it's if it's the Giants who have a meaningful lead and you're holding a Giants money line or a Giants plus three, are you inclined uh, to take a live position on the Vikings to come back on this team? So, just the first part, I think the best live approach here is actually the Vikings are great on scripted plays, top 10 in EPA per play on scripted plays for us. I want to say they score, you know, their their conversion rate is one of the highest in the NFL, and then they can maybe have a little bit of a letdown as the game goes on. So, if they jump out to a 7 nothing lead, I would be jumping on the Giants even more. If it gets over a touchdown, maybe over 8 or 8.5, eight um, I think that's an angle there. The flip side... I'd have to look into it. You know, I, I really don't know if the Giants are built to come from behind. Um, you know, I mean, this Vikings defense, I think, might be the worst defense in the playoffs. So they're certainly capable of coming from behind. But I just we, we've been very profitable on bet the opponent after the Vikings score. And they're probably going to cover because if it gets over one score, obviously, all the Vikings do is win one score games. <laughs> yeah, I think that makes sense. I also think the under might be a look in this game. Just to your point, Brad, about Brian uh, Neil O'Neill being out and just the kind of the banged up offensive line. So the Vikings haven't been able to run the ball for like two months. Uh, and that's the Giants' weakness is their run defense. But I think that now, like we just haven't seen this Giants defense healthy all season. And now that they get Adoree Jackson back, the fact that you have finally, you know, you have Ojolari and Thibodeau 100% integrated with alongside Lawrence and Williams. Like this is all of a sudden a pretty good defensive line uh, that might have a bit more help in the back end with Jackson back. So yeah, I, I think it might even close. I think it might even close two and a half. There's that much support behind the Giants plus three. Even starting to see that move a little bit. And um, I think it might be more difficult for the Vikings to score than people anticipate. 
Let's go to Cowboys Bucks, which to me is still the most inexplicable line of the week. It's Cowboys minus two and a half. The total is 45 and a half. This has come down from, I mean, the look ahead on this was four, four and a half. A lot of support for the Bucks, particularly after uh, how dreadful Dak Prescott looked uh, going 14 to 37 against uh, the Washington Commanders. Brad, do you think the right team is favored in this game? Do honestly, if you look at the data, you break it down. I couldn't find many data points that port pointed towards why the Bucks should be favored or, or, or should be your bet in this game. If I'm being honest, I know the one thing that's been thrown out a bunch is that the Cowboys have played much better on turf than on natural grass, particularly their defense. Um, I mean, I think the biggest data point is the best way to neutralize an elite pass rush is to get the ball out quickly. It's not keeping guys in a chip. It's not any of that. It's Tom Brady have the, having the fastest average time to throw in the NFL at 2.3 seconds. And so that's going to help them a ton. It's going to make it so that they can't just lose this game because of the Cowboys defensive line. But, you know, I, and, and I like the Bucks in this spot, but I'll be honest, there's not a lot of underlying metrics that point you there i think it's kind of just you know the cowboys like you said looking awful against washington and they did try to win that game at least in the beginning um and then tom brady being tom brady i guess yeah i think you're bringing up a fair point which is if you use regular season data for the buccaneers this team shouldn't be in the playoffs this is not a good football team uh i think any of uh, all of us on the tom brady bandwagon in the nfc at this point um are doing so because we are throwing out the regular season data largely because it wasn't the same team that's going to be taking the field in the playoffs. Hopefully I'm not going to unwit here. Um, Bucks presumably coming in healthier than ever. Bucks presumably, uh, you know, can, uh, you know, I, I think you're, you're basically hoping that they treated the regular season like the, Tom Brady used to treat the preseason, which was, you know, let's figure some things out here. Um, most of their neutral game state was just horrifically called offense. And uh, for what it's worth, Brady on the record this week saying he's going to have a lot more say in the way that the game is called in terms of sequencing and just in general, his kind of, you know, field general uh, approach here. So all of these things I feel like are positives to where the what you see from this Buccaneers in the playoffs, even if they are just one and done in this game, I think is going to be very different than what we saw in the regular regular season is if I bought into too much narrative here and uh, you know, because these are not all that different of a player grouping uh, than the team that beat Kansas city in the super bowl a couple years ago. There's no Gronk. There's no Ali Marpet. You know, Shaq Barrett is on IR, but other than that, it's pretty much the same core guys. Am I crazy? No, you're not at all. And like you said, they're also getting healthier. They're probably not going to have center Ryan Jensen for this game. But if they do win, I think they'll get him for the following week. And that'll be massive. I mean, their run game is so bad. And I think he's probably the biggest reason why his absence. But look, any play calling being taken away from Byron Leftwich and given to Tom Brady <laughs> is fantastic news for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um you know, so so that that certainly helps. I, I do think the one thing concern I have, and maybe we'll see how they scheme around it. Um, it's my favorite play in this game as a prop, but Look, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean on the outside are fantastic. CeeDee Lamb in the slot against Sean Murphy bunting and maybe a little bit of Antoine Winfield, who has been good in there. But um, I think CeeDee Lamb's going to have like 15 targets in this game. I'm on the over six and a half receptions there. Whether Whoever wins, who knows? But I think it'll be close enough to where game script isn't going to impact that too much. They'll both be throwing. So that's the angle I like the most in this game. Yeah, I like that. I think to me, the most interesting aspect of this game is that the Cowboys, the past five weeks, their pass defense is 29th in drop back EPA. They have turned Ooh. into a bad pass defense. They're really banged up uh, at corner in the secondary. This haven't been the, the pass defense that they were in the early part of the season. I think that 
you know, Brady and the Bucks they showed in the one game they had to have all season against Carolina that they can ex- they still do have the ceiling to exploit a struggling pass defense. Obviously, the Panthers they they were down JC Horn uh, and they were yeah basically trotting out the three of us at corner. Uh, but I do think that Brady will have the upside there um, to, to punish. The Cowboys, um, if that pass defense doesn't correct itself. And then the other thing is just Dak's performance against Washington. Like, that's not normal. That's cool. Good quarterbacks don't do that normally. That's yeah. I think there might be something wrong with Dak to go 14 of 37 in a game, to your point, Brad, where they were trying at least early. Uh, and he did not look remotely like the guy who completely lit up the Eagles a month ago. So, I don't know. Between the pass defense and how bad Dak looked, he didn't look great against Tennessee either. Uh, I kind of lean Bucks plus two and a half in this game. All right, before we get into the AFC, a reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Jake from State Farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mow and Grow. Mel chose State Farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now he's rolling in the green. Like a... Like a good neighbor? Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh... Sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, 
Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867 in Louisiana. Okay, well, I've made this joke six or seven times, but there was a lot of discussion around the unfairness of the Chiefs getting gifted the one seed while the football gods have conspired to give the Buffalo Bills <laughs> a bye as well by Tyler Scarlett Thompson. Looks like he is going to start. The Bills are 13 and a half point favorites. The total is 43 and a half in Buffalo. Is this enough points, Brad, or do you think it gets to 14 and above? I wouldn't be shocked if it gets there because you also have Teron Armstead, who probably will play, but he said yesterday, I'm doing everything around the clock to try to be available for this game. So definitely not going to be 100% healthy. Liam Eikenberg, also not healthy right now. And Bradley Cho got his first practice of the week in yesterday. So they have other injuries outside of that. See, their injury list is the longest of any playoff team. I don't know, though. I don't know if I would want to take it all the way up to 14. As good as Buffalo is, these teams have played close both times, obviously. Miami won one. They lost by a field goal in Buffalo. Um, you know, it, it's it's a lot of points, even with Skylar Thompson. Yeah, I would. That's entirely fair. It's in division. There's familiarity. Um, and certainly McDaniel has proven over the balance of the season that he has creativity. Uh, and for whatever it's worth, like as good as Les Frazier's defensive coordinating is brought, you know, just in a neutral sense, uh, he doesn't really have a ton of adjustments to go to. Like he tends to come up with a plan and that's the plan. And if it's not working against the Dolphins, this might be an interesting game on top of the fact that Josh Allen has certainly given teams life when they should not have had it in certain games this year i'm thinking specifically of the vikings game um but yeah the uh uh you know the the bills at 13 and a half seems like a lot to lay but uh if you know the market is correct um it feels like this is going to be one of the games where it can get away from miami early uh and at that point bills first half minus seven is that is that a fair price? <laughs> I guess actually it's drifted already uh, this morning out to seven and a half at a couple of spots. Um, you know, what is there, a, you know, a game state here that really gets you interested in either a second half play, a live play or, uh, you know, or just in general, a stay away if, if a certain uh, kind of outcome manifests? You know, I do think the Bills are not going to be afraid to pour it on. Like you said, familiar teams, a team they probably want to show they can truly beat, you know, convincingly. Um, I, I don't like the matchup of Xavier Howard less than 100% against Stephon Diggs. I actually think bringing in Cole Beasley is not as, you know, it's, it's a bigger deal than I think some people realize. I think they needed that third weapon in the offense really badly. Um, and it just helps open things up for everybody else. So, yeah, first half minus seven I don't hate, but also – you know, if, if they somehow go down because Mike McDaniel's scripted plays start off the game well, like you said, he's going to be creative. He's going to attack the middle of the field um, and, and do some things that those two safeties in Buffalo, obviously now, you know, not that football matters, you know, in this situation, but DeMar Hamlin was already a backup for Micah Hyde. So now you have your third string safety opposite of Jordan Poyer, who is nowhere near 100%. Um, maybe you can, you can bet a Bills live after the, it, it gets a little bit smaller. But it also, like you said, it could just be a blowout and, and kind of tough to bet based on, you know, just, just the, the teams realizing the game's over pretty early. 
Yeah, I think this would have been a sneaky fun game if the quarter if the injuries for Miami stopped at the quarterback position. Yeah, hundred percent. Armstead yeah. is banged up. The fact that Tyreek Hill was limping around against the Jets could barely stay on the field. The Waddle's dealing with stuff. Bradley Chubb and Xavier Howard have missed the games. Like it's just a nightmare for Miami. So uh, not going to be a sneakily fun game, I suspect. One that I think will be closer than the line implies at the moment, though, is Ravens Bengals, where the Bengals are nine and a half point favorites. Total has dropped down from 42.5 to 40.5. Looks like almost certainly Lamar Jackson will not play, skewing towards Tyler Huntley. Now, this market does not reconcile with what the line was between these two teams last week. Uh, and I know that there is a lot of health um, going on there, but that would skew more towards the Ravens, if anything. Um, why are the Ravens 9.5-point underdogs here, Brad? Oh, I totally agree. I think people, they look at last week and see that the Bengals covered the 11 that was the closing line. They had five turnovers in that game. Like, it wasn't an impressive 11-point win. And then you mentioned you lose right guard Alex Kappa for the Bengals. You're already down Lyle Collins. Obviously, there's small sample size issues here. But the Bengals' EPA against the Ravens this season, negative .163 would rank 30th for the full season. Their EPA against everybody else would rank 5th. Like, they've had really... They've fundamentally had issues against this Ravens defense. It's a good matchup. They have a good defensive line across the board. And then you point to those offensive line injuries. The, the Bengals cannot run the ball at all right now. They're not even really trying, which is a rarity for Zach Taylor. So I think this is too many points. Um, you know, the Bengals can explode any moment, but I do kind of like the under here as well. Um, whether it's Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown or whoever, I just think this is going to be an ugly, ugly football game that probably closes, like, like I said, pre-show, 17-10, 20-13, something, you know, low and, and ugly. Mm, but inside the number, you gave us two <laughs> seven-point margins there. Um the I, I, you know, the approach that I would guess the Ravens come in with is trying to shorten the game. Uh, run, you know, I, I feel like the ideal drive for them is 15 plays, take eight minutes off the clock and try to get some points. We don't even care if it's three. Like, you know, that I, I feel like uh, in general, uh, Ravens play keep away on offense and then uh, cross their fingers. They can get a takeaway, maybe two uh, and or just chaos plays. Like you mentioned, like, a, a, you know, a, a sack that really stops a drive, things like that to try to keep this one uh, relatively close. And, you know, you've seen the market respond. This totals down to 40 and a half. This is, uh, you know, uh, across the board, this is the lowest total of the week, um, even lower than the game that's being played in uh, in the midst of a, an atmospheric river. <laughs> so, uh, you know, 40 and a half fair price or still room to the under? I genuinely still think there's room to the under. I mean, you look at Baltimore, Mar Marcus Peters is going to be back for this game. Also for, for the Bengals, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are not 100% healthy right now. Both kind of, like you said about Tyreek, kind of limping around last yeah. game or the last couple games. So like, it is scary because, you know, it's Joe Burrow in that offense. But I also could see the Ravens scoring three, six points in this game. Um, and the Bengals aren't going to hang 40 on them in that scenario. So I, I would still lean under. Yep, I'm with you there. And I think the sneaky thing with this game is that like Tyler Huntley's been terrible this season, but I don't think he's this bad. Like last season when he came in for Lamar Jackson, he had a 68 PFF grade. He was like the 24th ranked quarterback out of 38 qualifiers. Like he was fine as a backup. And it's been a small sample size this year. To be fair, it was last year as well. But I just think that, you know, Another a week off the injury. Mark Andrews got a week off. He should be healthier, more spry. I do think that the Ravens, I don't think they're drawing dead on offense. Uh, and I do think their defense will be able to limit Cincinnati, particularly with Alex Kappa uh, out. So, yeah, I, I think 
I think of all the bets on the board right now, that Ravens plus nine and a half is uh, the best bet that one can make. Uh, Drew Dinsick might have an argument for the next game, though. Uh, <laughs> Jags, who are two and a half point dogs at home against Los Angeles Chargers. Line has been moving towards the Chargers since open, basically. Uh, Mike Williams, uh, who Brandon Staley tried to get killed uh, last weekend, he is questionable looks like he'll probably be limited even if he can go uh what's your read on this game brad yeah i, I agree with drew i frankly thought they were going to put this close to a pick him and not even let it get into teaser range i mean even if you don't like the jaguars money line or whatever now that it's two and a half i think they're a phenomenal teaser leg but yeah the, the thing is it's not a terrible matchup for the chargers i know that the jaguars kind of beat the brakes off them in los angeles but jaguars have a top 10 epa per rush defense you saw that against tennessee how many first and 10 yard uh, one yard runs did derrick henry have, have in that game probably 15 so they are good against the run they set the edge well with trevon walker and josh allen but you know I, they're not as good in the, in the secondary and trey herndon their slot corner is kind of the weak point tyson campbell's a stud on the outside darius williams back on the outside playing well i think it's gonna be a keenan allen game i, I think they're going to throw to Austin Eckler a ton but yeah I mean I, I don't understand this price either I agree with you I don't see why the Chargers are approaching maybe a field goal favorite if they get to a field goal and the Jaguars are a bet so everyone I've heard handicap this game is licking their chops at the Chargers and Justin Herbert going up against this uh, overrated you know already poor and potentially overrated Jaguars defense and you know, and completely eliminating the fact that Lombardi is still coordinating this offense and still wastes lots of downs. Uh, and then on the flip side, you know, people kind of going out of their way to glow about Brandon Staley's game planning. Oh my gosh, this guy comes with these amazing game plans. Congratulations on your four game win streak where you copycatted the uh, Niners and stopped the Dolphins. Uh, and then you stopped the mighty Titans, Colts, and Rams in Baker Mayfield. Well done, Brandon Staley. Let's give you all a standing round of applause and then you got your starter your most important player potentially outside of herbert hurt in a meaningless game against the broncos like staley deserves a mountain of criticism for the way he has handled the closing moments of this season and he's just you know people are still going out of their way to gloss you know you know because of recency bias i guess because because you held Nick Foles to three points. Well done, Brandon Staley. This, this to me, feels like a mismatch in the coaching department that is the broadest of any of these games because I rate Brandon Staley as the worst coach in the AFC in this playoff field by margin. I think Doug Peterson's playoff experience that we've seen as a coordinator is very impressive. Even when he had a limping Eagles team, they went in and gave Sean Payton and Drew Brees the business in Philly, uh, covered massive spread. And, you know, beating Belichick and Brady in the Super Bowl with the back quarterback, you get points for that in my book. So, you know, Jaguars and Peterson here, I'm just excited to see what they have crafted up in terms of their offense against this Chargers defense, because there are certainly bodies on that field that you want to go after. Uh, and then, you know, the way that they have uh, skill position players who can, you know, kind of, you know, break man, particularly down the sidelines is exciting to see if Trevor Lawrence stands in the pocket and delivers some shots to those guys. I, you know, you know, when Brandon Staley had a very, very tough time scheming a defense, by the way, Brad, against the Jaguars week three, he had no answers for this team. And that team wasn't even playing as well as they're playing now. So I am really just flummoxed by sort of the narrative swirling around this game and why people believe in this Chargers team. It's my favorite bet on the board at the current price. I can't believe it. We almost got a three on this one, but uh, I agree with you about teasing it. Um, anything that I've kind of talked to myself into here, not ring true uh, as you sort of reflect on this game? 
No, I agree with you. I mean, first you mentioned kind of the main beater principles. The Chargers are top five in man coverage rate at this point, and the Jaguars, and yes, there's sample size issues here as always, but the Jaguars have been phenomenal against man. And Doug Peterson, like you said, it, it is a massive co coaching mismatch. I think Bryce Callahan, you know, longtime good player, but in the slot against Christian Kirk will have some issues. The, the Jaguars also, they run a lot of bunch and stack formations and do things to kind of complicate man and, and complicate assignments on the back end, and that's been, you know, the Chargers' issue for a lot of the season. So I agree with you i think maybe also if you don't like a side the total i would lean over here i think we talked about kind of how both offenses match up fairly well and we don't really trust either defense um so maybe lean over yep i'm with you there brad firstly really good to see drew densick so fired up i don't know what brandon staley's <laughs> ever done to you drew if you said something to you at a party or once but he's a great. lying liar who lies i don't know what to tell you man i don't like being lied um, to that mike williams is going to practice this week and then he doesn't even practice and and then you come out and you say it's about the rest the rest you played in week 18 for no reason. What are you doing, you clown? You could have had a rest advantage in your playoff game, and you're at a disadvantage by choice. What an idiot. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're just getting fired up for what he put us through on our uh, our Bengals-Broncos correlated money That's line parlay last week, which I think 75% um, of the gambling world in America was on. It was made to sweat out far too much than was, uh, than was reasonable. But, yeah, I agree with the Jags. I think the Jags secondary – I mean, they even showed it a little bit against Tennessee. I think that secondary is drawing completely dead, but I don't think that this is the matchup with the Chargers, for whatever reason, short passing offense, particularly if Mike Williams either can't go or is limited. I don't think this is the team to necessarily exploit that, um, which is an indictment on Lombardi because they've got Justin Herbert. <laughs> I think the Jags are going to be in real trouble against the Chiefs and the Bills, uh, uh, et cetera. But yeah, I think against the Chargers that they will be okay. All right, Brad, uh, can you tell people where to find your work and uh, where to follow you on Twitter? Yeah, of course. So all, all my content coming out of PFF.com. We got free agency. I know we're not quite there yet. I guess 18 people's fan bases are there. Uh, so we had our top 50 free agents this week. We're pushing out to you know, 100, 200, uh, obviously draft content. And you can see any of that um, on my Twitter at PFF underscore Brad or PFF.com. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Brad. Go Ravens, go Jags, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you, guys. All right, before we get into our best bets, just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen during the wild card and the Premier League, including two shots at $100,000 by guessing the outcome in our Sunday Night 7 contests between the Chargers and Jags, as well as the Ravens and Bengals. All right, we're going to help you out with one of those questions now. Austin Eckler's total yardage bans Drew goes from less than 65 yards all the way up to 125 plus. What have you got? This one's tough because, as noted, I would be inclined to expect that uh, the Chargers are going to stub their toe offensively in this game, which would lean us into the lowest band. However, even in deficit, they go to Austin Eckler through the air so aggressively. I think you have to be kind of in the 100-yard range in some way, shape, or fashion. I'll take 105 to 124, expecting he gets the lion's share of the uh, short, you know, short target attempts. He could get eight or nine catches in this game. It wouldn't surprise me. So I'll go relatively high even in expecting the chargers not to uh, impress people yep i'm with you in the exact same band uh the chargers give up the most receiving yards to running backs in the passing game so i think eckler will feast there all right let's get to our best bets of the weekend uh drew <laughs> your best bet is the jags yeah, <laughs> yeah. give me the jags 
Jags should be favored. Jags are at home. Jags have home field advantage. Trevor Lawrence got his feet wet for the playoff experience last week against uh, the Titans in the same environment and, you know, prime time, uh, you know, huge energy crowd. I think uh, they come out clean. I think they come in with a good plan. I trust in Doug Peterson. I think this Jags team is uh, being wildly underrated for reasons that I really struggle to grasp. So um, best of luck to everyone who has put their faith in Brandon Staley. I will be on the other side and I will be laughing at you on Monday if I am correct. Wow, very fired up on a Friday. It's great. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my seven-month-old daughter is chirping up in the background. Got her fired up. Plus two and a half. Well, uh, yeah. Rio. My best bet is DK Metcalf under 65 and a half receiving yards against the 49ers. The weather is going to help out with that. His two games against the Niners this season, he had 35 yards and 55 yards. Seattle was down the whole game, both of those games. Uh, still, they were throwing all the time. And DK Metcalf, uh, he's gotten the Traverius Ward assignment or vice versa. And Ward is by far the Niners' strongest corner. Uh, they put Lenoir, might be Jack Rabbit Jenkins on the other side on Tyler Lockett. So I think that that will be where Geno Smith targets. So, uh, so give me DK Metcalf going under for the third time in a row against the 49ers. And also, as a little bonus bet, I do like we've talked about it, but Austin Eckler over 36 and a half receiving yards um, against the Jags. I don't think that the Chargers will be able to run the ball, just like Tennessee weren't able to run the ball with Derrick Henry. Yeah. And I think that Eckler, who got eight targets in the last game between the Jags and uh, Chargers, I think that he will get a ton of work in the receiving game. Uh, and we think that the Jags will be winning, so they'll probably be throwing. So, uh, yeah, there we have it. All right. Well, we got a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff to cheer. Swing yeah. Decoy, Bay, decoy Metcalf. I agree with that look, by the way. That's getting bet down, if you hadn't noticed that uh, the, the news is out that Jay likes the DK, decoy Metcalf <laughs> <Yeah>. under. <laughs> exactly. that, uh, oh. that got smacked. Yeah. All on both coasts of America. <laughs> but, yeah. But summarized, we like – we like the Bucks plus two and a half. We like the Ravens plus nine and a half. We like the Jags plus two and a half. It's always a better feeling when you like the underdog. When you get to say plus, it's always a better place to be. So, of course, uh, those those are the bets and the under on Metcalf. All right, don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel, and if you're listening to us in podcast form. Please don't forget to subscribe and rate us from Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. Good luck with your bets and we'll be back on Monday. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh. (laughs) <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.